Well, today is, uh, is Palm Sunday, the, d- the day that the uh, church uh, traditionally uh, remembers and celebrates the entry of Jesus into uh, the city of Jerusalem a week uh, before his uh, crucifixion. And a large crowd uh, met uh, Jesus as he uh, came into the city and they were full of incredible joy and they were shouting a particular word. Does anybody know what that word was? Hosanna. Hosanna is, uh, is a, a word that means save, rescue, or saviour. And there was this acknowledgement from the people of Israel at that time that there was something very unique about the person of Jesus. He was more than just a man. That he was a, a man, man sent from God on a mission to save and to rescue uh, the human race. That he was, um, he was saviour. And throughout our God's uh, Dream series, which we've uh, been going, uh, running for uh, some time now, and um, next week, I know you're all eager to be, after Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about um, the, the, um, the devil and the demonic, which has kind of been a hot topic for some of you, as you've spoken to me, so a couple of weeks' time, we're going to look at that. Um, but we've, we've been examining two words, uh, the word shalom from the First Testament, or what is what we call the Old Testament, but I try to work very hard to not say the Old Testament anymore. It's either the First Testament or the Hebrew Bible, okay? So if we could just refer to the Old Testament as the First Testament or the Hebrew Bible, out of respect for um, our, our, our Jewish friends. Um, and this uh, word sozo from, uh, from the New Testament. And we said that these two words, shalom and, and sozo, mean to save Uh, to heal, to rescue, uh, to deliver. Uh, Harmony is another word that is included. Um, It it means to make whole and make well. And these words, uh, shalom and sozo, encapsulate the dream or the plan of God for your life, for my life, for this world in which we live. And last week, here's a bit of a test, Um, there are three, I said there are three kinds of people that need to experience salvation. Who are those three kinds of people? The suffering, the selfish, and the successful. Which means every one of us is actually in one of those three categories. And every, every human being on the face of the planet needs to experience and encounter the saving work of God. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the three reasons why God saves and restores us. Why, what it, what's this salvic work about? And um, we're going to unpack that this morning. So towards the end of the 1800s, um, there was a Swedish chemist by the name of Alfred Nobel. And this man, Alfred, was experimenting, as all uh, young people do, with nitroglycerine in his father's factory. And one day, Alfred created an explosive, which he called dynamite. And he patented, that's a really hard word to say, patented his uh, invention. And he became incredibly wealthy as a result of this invention called dynamite. One morning, Alfred Noble was shocked to read um, in the local newspaper his obituary. And it said, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, who died yesterday, 
devised a way for more people to be, ki- be killed in a war than ever before, and he died a very rich man. It was actually Alfred's brother who had passed away, and the newspaper reporter um, had got his facts wrong. Fake news. It's existed for a long time. But that particular obituary notice had a profound effect on Alfred Noble. And he decided there and then that he wanted to be known for um, something more than developing the the means by which to um, destroy lives and, and amass a fortune in the process. And so he instructed that when he died, that his vast wealth... Um, should be used to recognize those who pursued peace. And so, something was born, and it was called the, the Nobel Peace Prize, which is an award given um, to those who foster and facilitate peace. And whenever, I don't know about you, but if I ever hear the word Nobel, I automatically think of peace. The name Alfred Nobel is now synonymous with peace. I wonder how many of us and our names are synonymous with peace. When people think about Steve Sutton, they automatically think, oh, he's such a person of peace. (laughs) Think of Steve and I just automatically think of peace. I'd like to think that is true, but um, I'm still a work in progress. When we traditionally um, translate the Hebrew word shalom into English, the most common uh, way of interpreting that word or translating that word is to use the word peace. And we live in a world that is is desperately in, in need of peace. Globally, um, there, is, there is war in, um, in Syria and Iraq and, uh, and Afghanistan. And uh, many people find themselves either in conflict or they are conflicted. Life is not easy. Relationships can often be strained. People are under uh, incredible financial uh, pressure. And folks are facing um, uh, physical challenges or emotional challenges. And so we live in a world, uh, whether it's globally or in our own lives, in our own circumstances, where we're, we're, we're stressed or we are anxious. And often we can find ourselves bereft of peace or bereft of shalom. I believe that sitting at the, at the center of the saving, the rescuing, restoring work of Jesus is actually peace. What is, what is the purpose of salvation? The purpose for me of salvation is, is actually found in this word peace. God in Christ has actually designed a pathway um, of peace for humanity. And I'm going to share with you what I believe those, those three um, um, steps are in terms of us being people that can be characterized by this quality of peace. And the first step on the pathway of peace is being at peace with God. In Romans 5 um, verse 1, it's, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right 
in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Now, last week I mentioned um, the uh, pidgin English for the word righteousness. Anybody remember what that was? God, he say me all right. We'll say that again. God, he say me all right. I just love that little phrase. I remember hearing about the, the first or second day after I became a Christian and it stayed with me. It's been one of those anchors for my, my faith. I am righteous. That is God, he say me all right. And the result of God saying um, me all right is that we have peace with God. It says since we have been made right, since we've been made righteous in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. There is no angst. There is no obstacle. There is no barrier uh, between God and those who embrace what Christ has done for them. Again, last week I, I mentioned uh, the difference between religion and or an authentic Christian faith. Religion is summed up by the word... Thank you. And, and an authentic Christian faith is summarized by the word... Thank you. Do and done. So religion is all about what I have to do in order to be right with God. Whereas an authentic uh, living Christian faith is, is summarized by the word done. It's not about what I do, but it's how I respond to what God has done in Christ for me and receiving and resting in that wonderful, uh, wonderful gift. It says we have peace with God because what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We don't have peace with God because of what we do. We don't have peace with God because of what we do. We only have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I find myself having to repeat this and repeat this and repeat this in in every context that I find myself ministering in because we're so slow to get this very uh, simple, basic truth. Um, we are not striving to be at peace with God. Peace with God is a gift that is given to us because of what Christ has done for us. The tragedy is when I see so many Christians who are anxious about their right standing with God. They're uncertain about whether God loves them enough because they're not sure if they've done enough. They're not sure if they've prayed enough. They're not sure if they've given enough. They're not sure if they've served enough. They're not sure if they've witnessed enough. And so there is this anxiety. There is this, there is this uncertainty about their right standing with God because it's still founded on this word do rather than on the word done. And my dream for this church is for each and every one of us to be secure in our right standing with God. That you would know that you are as righteous now as you ever will be. I'm as righteous now as I ever will be. In fact, this is how radical righteousness is. 
I'm as righteous now and you as righteous now as Jesus Christ is. How cool is that? It's a gift. It's ours. We receive and we rest in it. And, it, and when we understand that, there comes this knowledge that God is my our loving Father. And there's peace. There's no obstacle. There's no barrier. We're welcomed by the Father. Once we've established our lives on the foundation of peace with God, that provides, the, if you like, the launching pad for us to move into the second step in this, um, in this pathway of peace, which is experiencing the peace of God. So we, we, we have peace with God, but there is something else, and that is the peace of God. And there is a big difference between um, peace with God and the peace of God. See, peace with God is, is our position. It's our status before God. However, the peace of God is experiential. That is, it's something that we experience. It's, it's knowing in a very tangible way God's very own peace living on the inside of us. And so in the midst of the chaos and the conflicts and the challenges of life, we can know the peace of God as a tangible living reality within our hearts and lives. Jesus has given us this amazing promise in John 14. He says, Peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Let me just repeat that again. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. So Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, offers us a sense of his very own composure, his, his calm, his ease, his rest, his poise for our hearts and our, 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 our minds moment by moment. I love the story of, of Jesus in the boat with his disciples. And he said to his disciples, we're going to go over to the other side. And they get partway across the lake and this big storm kind of uh, brews up. And these disciples, many of whom are, are experienced fishermen, begin to panic. And they're, they're full of anxiety. They're full of fear. And they say, say God, Jesus, don't you care about us? And, and so in the midst of the storm... While the disciples are frantic with worry, where is Jesus? What is Jesus doing? He's asleep in the back of the boat. He's at peace. He's at peace. You know, and we all know, you know, we all experience storms, don't we? Whether it's trouble in our own life or in those, those that we love and care about who are close to us. And so often we are, I'm speaking for myself, we find ourselves like the disciples. God, don't you care? Don't you care? And what Jesus wants to do is deposit that peace which he has bequeathed to us 
into our hearts and lives for those moments and time when the storms come. That we don't just have this, this status, this position of uh, having uh, peace with God, but that we experience the peace of God. And the Bible actually shows us very, a very um, simplistic um, means by which we can um, cultivate the peace of Christ within our lives. In Philippians 4, 6, um, Paul said, writes, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which passes all understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. And so the first antidote um, to anxiety and cultivating Christ's peace within us is that we need to develop a lifestyle of prayer and thankfulness. We don't worry about anything. We take it to God in prayer and we are thankful for what God has done and for what we have. Then Paul goes on to say, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. And so Paul's second antidote to anxiety is for us, he's encouraging us to focus our thinking, to set our minds upon God and the goodness of who God is. It's a beautiful scripture in, uh, in Isaiah 26.3. It says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed or who, whose minds are set on you. And so to combat our mind's propensity to succumb to worry, we need to develop the Christian practice of meditation and reflection. It's about time we as Christians reclaimed meditation. It does not belong to the Buddhists or to those who are in the whole new age. Meditation is a deeply uh, biblical, spiritual practice. We call, in our contemporary world, we call it mindfulness. And you read the research on, 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 on the, the positive benefits and effects of mindfulness. It's, it's staggering what mindfulness does for our lives. Well, we need to reclaim mindfulness. We need to reclaim this biblical principle of meditation and reflection because it's how Jesus establishes his peace within our lives, as we learn to set our minds upon good things. And actually, in a, in a couple of months' time, uh, we have a very good friend of ours, uh, Jo, who actually led Louise to the Lord. She's um, American. She's studying for... Um, I can't say it without finding it very funny. She's studying to be uh, an Anglican priest. And uh, if you knew Jo, you'd kind of scratch your head. And the Anglicans accept anybody, though, don't they, Mike? <laughs> Especially the sinners. That's probably why you're an Anglican priest and I wasn't, because I was such a good boy. 
And when Jo comes, um, she's going to um, uh, run a, a workshop on um, spirituality and mindfulness or reflection and some movement and that kind of thing. It'll be, it'll be really, really valuable. So when we um, are at peace with God and when we begin to implement these practices of prayer, thankfulness and mindfulness, we're then positioned to move into the next um, step on the pathway of peace, which is living um, at peace with others. 2 Corinthians 13.11 says, Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. And then Hebrews 12.14 says, Work at living at peace with everyone. Notice there that it says um, peace... Peaceful relationships is something that we have to work at. It says, work at living at peace with everyone. You know, if you've been married for any length of time, you know that it's, it's not easy, isn't it? Being, it's not easy. There are, things emerge, things within our own life. We, we discover things about ourselves that we need to rectify. And so we have to work really hard at living at peace with other people. But the outworking of being at peace with God and cultivating the, the, the peace of God in our lives is that it enables us or positions us to become peacemakers. That enables us to be those who go into our world and we facilitate peace. And I'd love to think that we as a church community would be characterized by these three, three things. One, that we understand that we are at peace with God, that we are righteous, and that our right standing with God is not based on our efforts, but it's based on the performance of Christ. And that we would be a people of prayer and of thankfulness and of mindfulness that we cultivate the very peace, the very presence of God within our heart. <laughs> Wonderful. Come on down. Come and get your prize. <laughs> well done. Oh, there we go. There we go. Now, actually, Archie, well, Arch, it's Archie, isn't it? This guy's a little champ because last, uh, last week, Archie and Chloe, uh, Chloe's not here this morning, I don't think, but um, Archie and Chloe were helping out in the, um, in the seed um, room there with the, with the little toddler. So thanks, Archie, you're a champion. Well done. Now, where was I? It was a very deep and spiritual moment, whatever it was. Okay, peace with God. I'd love to think that we would be a people that are characterised by peace. That when people think of people from Bayview, they'll go, oh, that's that community of peace. We know what it is to be at peace with God. We know what it is to walk with the peace of God in our hearts and lives. That doesn't mean to say that our lives are not going to be uh, challenge-free. But in the midst of the storms, 
we hold ourselves with poise. And thirdly, we're peacemakers. We work really hard at restoring and building relationships and facilitating peace. That's God's dream for your life, for our, our life, my life, for us as a community and for the world in which we live. The key purpose of the saving work of Jesus, I think, can be um, summarised by saying that it is to restore peace, shalom, in three directions. Up, in and out. The peace of God manifesting itself in three ways. Peace with God, the peace of God, and living peacefully with others. Why have you been saved? To be at peace with God, to experience the peace of God, and to live peaceably with others. Let's bow our heads and pray. Loving God, we thank you this morning for um, the incredible salvation that we have stepped into. Lord, I thank you uh, for opening our eyes and for um, leading us to that place where we are secure in our relationship with you. God, bring us to that place where our lives are filled with peace. And Lord, help us to cultivate and develop relationships of peace with others. Lord, may Bayview Church be a symbol and a sign, a, a token of peace for this world, we pray.